Hello and welcome to the Corporate Pero Latinos podcast. This is your host, Sofia. I have been so crazy busy and overwhelmed and this podcast episode was supposed to be published last Thursday and it's also supposed to be the last one for this season. So that's just how crazy life has been, but better late than never, right? I'm still in this weird funk and then this past weekend I lost my phone and my wallet got stolen while I was out and so that didn't help much because I just felt like a piece of shit on Sunday but I'm working on getting out of it. Work is just crazy overwhelming so I'm trying to handle it without crying like I always do but a couple of weeks ago I got to have this long conversation with Juan Romo, he is one of the guys that I met through the Corporate Latinos group in New York City. And we've been out a few times with the group and he's really fun and outgoing. And I love that he's really involved with the group, but I had never really gotten the chance to have a serious conversation with him or just to like learn more about his upbringing and stuff. So after this conversation, honestly, I was like, okay, he's the best person ever. <laughs> But it was just really nice to hear. I love hearing other people's stories of how they grew up and struggles that they've gone through. Like, don't tell me about your snowflake life. Tell me about all the hard things you went through when you were young because that's how I bond and that's how I'm like wow you know this person is so resilient or like wow that's so amazing that this person is where they are now so Juan is currently a paid search manager and he helps manage a tech software's paid search ads across multiple countries including reaching core KPIs, meeting with the client, and developing roadmaps to evolve the client's paid search program while working with the team internationally. So without further ado, this is a bit of a long episode, but it's a good one. This is Juan. Hi, Juan. Thank you for joining the Corporate Pero Latinos podcast. I know I'm probably keeping you from some happy hour right now or something. So I appreciate you being on here. Yeah, thank you. Um, no, no plans yet. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> the night is young. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about yourself and your upbringing? You know, just give us um, a little background into who you are. My name is Juan. I am 24 years old. I'm a Mexican-American. I uh, was born in Chicago and lived my whole life there pretty much up until I got to college. I grew up in a family of eight, so six kids. Being the second youngest, I'm sure you can imagine just how difficult that can be with hand-me-downs and always being last since you're not the youngest, but you're the second youngest. So <laughs> it is It is definitely a tough route. But there, my parents worked minimum wage jobs to keep us, you know, keep us fed and keep us housed. So that itself is very difficult to do for six kids, um, especially when all of them want to pursue college or pursue education as well. So were you at least one of the favorites since you were the second youngest? <laughs> It took me a while to get there. Um, definitely didn't happen until college, I feel like, but we'll see how everyone else perceives it oh um are your parents still together yeah so they still live in chicago um i have a few siblings a few siblings still live with them there definitely an area to still visit every once in a while where i can have a bed still if they if i ever wanted to come back yeah and that's really nice to hear because i feel like you know you just said they worked minimum wage jobs had six kids and i feel like so many times the financial struggles are like an easy way to break up marriages and stuff so that's pretty nice I can't relate <laughs> my parents were separated as soon as I was born so I totally understand that I, I definitely you know I'm sure we all sense the tenseness between parents every once in a while 
especially them having to decide which kid are we going to help and which kid, you know, can we can we continue to work with or, you know, support in the ways that we can or buy them the new shoes that they want or things of that yeah, nature. Right. It's definitely tough and it, it taught us all a lot of ways for us to be um, be creative and how we how we get money and how we how we support ourselves as young adults. It's a tricky situation for him um, as they've you know, they've hired him. They've released him with the pandemic and then they hired him back. My mom, she jumped from job to job. So she worked at, I don't remember the first one, but um, after that one, I had gotten sick and they had, they had fired her because I had gotten sick. <laughs> and so she had to take care of me <sighs> as a kid. But that was like, for her, she knew that was like, we don't, we don't need that. Um, she ended up working at Duncan and helped pretty much everyone in the house get hired at Duncan, which was a fun little stint that I got to do for a day. Um, not for a as, day? Yeah, I did not last. <laughs> I, knew, I know my mom works hard, but I did not last there. Uh, and then I ended up, uh, or she ended up working now at, um, it's a law building downtown, and she does cleaning there. Uh, something she enjoys because it's very simple. No one bothers her, and it's just just her right like not stressful or anything how come you only lasted one day at Duncan it is not a fun place to work um <laughs> the amount of like feedback you get like I, I I know that day that one day in um high school helped prepare me for like Paisano's where um that's a pizza restaurant in downtown Chicago they specialize in thin crust but they're like right off the Millennium Park and working as a dishwasher there as like I think that one day was the main reason I was able to stay there for as long as I did. <laughs> oh my god. When you like say that, I think about like Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A was my very first job in high school and I only lasted like a few weeks, but I wouldn't work every day. It was like every other day or something. And I remember so if you go to Chick-fil-A, they're like so polite, right? I don't know if yeah. you've ever noticed. They're like so good with their customer service and I was the one person going around making sure that everyone was happy and I remember there was this one time that like the manager was watching and I went up to a table and I was like would any of you like a refill and he was like you're doing a great job but you know here at Chick-fil-A we like to go the extra mile he's like why don't you try saying would you guys like for me to refresh your beverage that is when I knew I was like I'm out <laughs> I can't they wait here a, yeah down to the work and imagine like saying that to like some middle school girls like would you like for me to refresh your beverage they're just gonna yeah. bully me yeah. <laughs> especially if you're not that much older than them they're gonna <laughs> yeah <mock you. laughs> like weirdo um okay so going back to you know the jobs that you're parents worked and everything I think as kids we're not as empathetic and stuff and we don't understand our parents situations so a lot of times kids and teenagers selfishly only think about their wants and needs right so during your upbringing did you ever feel ashamed of like telling your friends what your parents did for a living or did you ever find yourself not being able to participate in activities or to go out with your friends because of financial stress at home but then you ended up lying about the reason why you couldn't go you know anything like that in, in terms of that like I I guess I got pretty lucky or I wouldn't call it lucky but um, I would say that with my neighborhood a lot of us were low income we all knew what each other was going through. Our parents all knew each other. Um, we all had an idea, like, say if, if something were to happen to you, like outside of school or something happened in class, every parent would know about it. And they'd be telling the other parents about it at the Jewel, Jewel Osco, the grocery store, or, you know, <laughs> things like that. Like every parent would know at the Lavanderia, like that you did this to this other kid or that you yelled at your teacher, like everyone would know. And so it, it was, it wasn't an issue to a point where like, like, we were lucky to all be going through similar things, that it wouldn't make like it wouldn't make the, that feeling too difficult because, you know, we knew that this this family couldn't also afford this or you know like, I was I was getting hand me downs probably up until, I want to say middle school where I, I started working that I knew. I would have to deal with, but I also knew that my friends were getting hand-me-downs as well. Oh, wow. Okay, I guess that also, you know, 
says a lot about you because so many kids or teenagers right like try to fit in with certain crowds even if they like don't accept them or something I don't know I just like I think about like my high school there were definitely like groups of people where you know it was like the rich kids and the people who were like low income or whatever but yeah I don't know that's I think that's great that you never actually experience those type of feelings growing yeah. up because it would definitely I think it definitely would have made um, your upbringing harder I think I think a lot of that came out in like high school and college where you know luckily my my school was a uniform school so we didn't we didn't have to worry about trying to show out in front of each other but it was in other ways that, that we would do it um, as far as like prom rental cars things like that um or where you went out to eat after after school and college uh, like a very different experience as well for me at a predominantly white um, liberal arts that's where i got to see a lot of the, the difference in in how i was raised and how everyone else was raised but all the way up until high school everyone was was similar we always had a uniform if someone had only one set of uniform or something as if they still smelled by the end of the week Oh, wow. Can you talk about that experience? So, wait, so you went to a private military high school, you said? Yeah, so Chicago has a few um, military high schools. And so I went to Phoenix Military Academy, which I got in um, because of my brother actually went to that school. So um, Hand me down. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much another hand me down, yeah. Um, but they, they like to help keep families uh, following similar paths knowing that like Chicago is not not the best place to be in and so they were definitely um, they knew that my brother had had gone through some things growing up and now it was like now he's doing better so they're like oh let's make sure the rest of the family is doing the same thing you know that's sweet <laughs> yeah it even went to the point of like even my brother going to a military high school for his first two years of college before he he switched to a different school not the same one, but similar experience. And they do this for like a lot of families or was yours like a special case that they just like liked you guys or something? No, they, they do it for a lot of families. So I guess to, to give a little more information, it's about 100 kids per class. No school exceeds 400 kids in those military high schools. So it's a very small, like tight knit group. The counselors know everyone um, and they want to make sure everyone's doing you know, the best that they can after high school. Got it. You had mentioned to me that this helped you get a lot of scholarship opportunities to avoid Chicago summers. Why did you want to avoid Chicago summers? I mean, you see a lot of it in the news. It's not the like best place to be in. Um, I think we we know of like crime and, and things that go on there. A lot of mm -hmm. kids don't really make it past eighteen, um, and that's like you know I, I have this. Uh, this note my counselor wrote for me actually for a scholarship um, from a trip to Costa Rica after my freshman year. She had written about like how kids in my neighborhood um, are usually out selling drugs by this time, not not interested in, in things of like traveling to Costa Rica, which is what I was able to do and do volunteer service work as well as be able to, you know, surf on the on the beach in Costa Rica or do other things like that. Wait, you still have this note? Yeah, I keep it with me everywhere. Um, it's got the same, like, I've, I've never reprinted it, which I'm glad. I, I have it in this folder of, like, um, all the, like, nice things counselors or teachers have said to me in the past. Uh, definitely one of the things I really love to do is reflect back on it and, and just see the growth. Oh, my God. How far do those notes go back? Like, is that the first one that you kept or you have yeah. more from, like, high school and stuff? Yeah, that's the first one. So that was my freshman year of high school. Oh, okay. Got it. Wow. Yeah, I, I love that because I'm, you know, I'm wanting to like go back through my pictures or notes or letters and stuff. So I think it's like when you're lacking motivation or something, it's definitely encouraging. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely gives me life. Like it mm -hmm. definitely gave me um, a bit of that energy to, to keep going and to to know that everything I've done so far has been proving that, that I'm worthy of this or I deserve this or, or things of that nature. 
So when the time came to apply for college, did you have to go through the trouble of filing your own FAFSA application or anything like that? With with us being a pretty small school, like it was kind of a group activity as far as like understanding how to do it. But like <laughs> it was still, you know, despite my, my siblings going to college and doing FAFSA as well, we, we didn't really have that much understanding together still about how to do it. And we all had different experiences. So it was just something I did by myself with my friends over the phone. Do your parents speak English or did they speak English growing up? Yeah, my dad, my dad's pretty good with English. I think that's why he has kind of a front facing job like that. My mm -hmm. mom, she's, she's definitely not as not as strong, but she's definitely conversational. Um, I know, especially as kids, like it was us getting pulled to the side, trying to answer questions. And I was never that great at, at coming up with a response. So uh, <laughs> definitely she relied on my other siblings for stuff. But it was um, she she can get around and she's been able to get around. Oh, that's good. I know of people that like come to the U.S. and they live here for years, but they never learn English. It's a tough journey. And I think about like even my mom, you know, the neighborhood we live in, like it, everyone is pretty much um, Mexican. So she's always talking in Spanish there and has the opportunity to continue that that kind of experience. Whereas like, you know, I, we went to Mexico recently and she was talking to my sister in English the whole time while she like had to turn and speak Spanish to her, you know, her, her brother, all, all the other family members there. <laughs> okay, so tell us about your whole college journey. I know there's probably a lot to unpack, but you mentioned, you know, some stuff about studying abroad. Also, you know, just realizing that once you got to college, that's when you started noticing some of the differences from how you grew up compared to other students Yeah, so uh, my first year was very tough. Um, so as I mentioned, I went to St. Olaf. It's a private liberal arts college in Minnesota. Usually when you think of Minnesota, you know right away it's a very white state. And so what drove me there was they, I got a full ride there um, based on my grades and based on some of the essay writings and coming as a finalist for Posse. Uh, Posse is like a, a big scholarship. I didn't get the scholarship, but they still get put me in their network to, to receive similar scholarships, which ended up helping me fulfill that, that need for St. Olaf. But with my first year, it took me a while to kind of get to know people. Um, I also had to take like a, a course prior to prove that, you know, my academic abilities would be able to you know, meet the needs of St. Olaf. So it was like a, a prerequisite to being able to start the semester. Was this only for people that were on scholarships or were... Yeah, so it was about 30 of us. Um, we were like the only minorities in the school is what it felt like. And so everyone with a scholarship was a minority. Yeah, so oh. it's like everyone but one. So we all like, we all grew really well together. Um, and it, it was definitely like a supportive network of being able to tell each other like, hey, you know, we've, we're all on the same footing, like, let's make sure we're, we're supporting each other. And then even having the like, TAs, they were also in the same program. And so they were, they knew what we went through and they knew um, how to be supportive of those things that we're going through as we start a summer prior to um, our freshman year. But then, you know, once you start that first semester, it's a big culture shock because you're, you're used to seeing the same 30 people of color every day. And now it's just like someone, someone to let all the whites in is what it felt like, you know, <laughs> you just, you're shocked by the amount of people that come in that don't look like you and you know I went through my first couple of courses really struggling just trying to find I guess the identity that that would make me successful there it wasn't until you know I got closer to my my friend who also went to this he went to the same high school and the same college as me I started meeting some of his his friends and learning about how he made his way through the first year to get a better picture for myself I went from starting at like a I think around a 2.7 GPA, jumping up to a, around a three-something that qualified me to study abroad. Ooh, and where did you end up going? So this program is called the Global Semester. And basically, the goal is to take you around the world. Um, they used to have a heavy Europe focus, but this time they, they took us to Egypt, Tanzania, India, China, and Argentina. We did start in New York, so that was one of my first New York experiences, um, which was you know, what, what definitely flipped the switch for me 
to come here at some point. But, but yeah, we got to interact with those different countries, get to like jump around and not to stay in one city there. So we, we definitely got to travel around with three of those stays being a month stay and Egypt and India were about a week. Wait, and you would attend classes in all the different countries? Yeah, so um, those three month stays were kind of like the three main courses despite our, or alongside our other course, which we, um, we took like a political science course to learn about the different political atmospheres in Tanzania, Argentina, and China. And then there was like a course specific to every region so in Tanzania, it was a focus on healthcare. For China, it was a, po- a focus on economics. And for Argentina, it was a focus on art and culture. Wow, that's awesome. Did you travel much before that? No, I, like that's uh, another thing. Like I, I've been to California once as a kid, and then I had that experience. And then Costa Rica in high school, and then this just shaked up my whole life. Um, and I, I look back at every one of those moments and just surprised that I was able to even do that. And, you know, I, I didn't pay a single dollar for a ticket or for anything like that. The only thing I paid for was for what I what I wanted to buy myself as a souvenir because they, they had a program that funded, like, another scholarship that I applied for that was able to fund the full program itself. You, like, had all these scholarships and stuff. I feel like I was always so lazy to apply for scholarships and it probably would have given me some opportunities like these. I got really lucky with, I think, the, the network I had. And I think, like, that's one of the biggest things for me mm-hmm. was I had a lot of people really, really tell me, like, hey, you know, you're not going to be able to do this without this. You know, you really need to, to get this done. You have a week left. Like, are, how, how far are you? Have you progressed on, on this application? You know, do you need me to review it? Would you like me to review it? And all those things, like, really made an impact to finalize, you know, how I did on the interviews for those those scholarships and, and how how my writing came about, knowing that like my writing was never good and I came from an area where you know, education isn't your focus and in the neighborhood I grew up in. And so being able to have a, a writing level similar to those kids that I went to school with in college um, was definitely due to the people looking over and, and making adjustments on my writing. I'm like not surprised at all that you're so involved in the corporate Latinos group. <laughs> I feel like you thrive in um, like supportive networks and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's one of the biggest things I have um, for myself. I really enjoy being a part of a supportive community and helping others because I know everyone has done that for me. And so it's this is the biggest thing I can do to return is, is to just be as helpful as everyone has been to me. Yeah, I love that. Good people. How would you say that your whole travel experience changed your mentality and your perspective on life and people in general? I'd say that travel really has allowed me to get get new perspective on on what's around me and, and just the the things in life that I have and then not take them for granted. Um you know, we, we jump around these different countries and we get to see how safety really feels as someone, someone as an outsider, you know, things, things of that nature. And you get to get perspective on you know, how grateful you can be about the life that you have, um, despite thinking you don't have as much, really allows you to, to get more comfortable with different backgrounds. Like, I think that moment really helped spark my my network at St. Olaf because I was able to make friends from different backgrounds who I, I probably would have never interacted with had had it not been for that trip. Which one was your favorite experience from all the countries you visited? I think it's a tough one. Um, I would really say it was between Argentina and China. China really gave me a sense of what Chicago, like it's very similar to Chicago I felt like. And so I got around really well. I loved being a city kid there and it just felt so perfect. But then Argentina is a similar thing. But then you add on like the aspect of language, being able to speak Spanish just was a really great opportunity for me. It was definitely difficult to adjust to the like che and, and all that stuff. You know, the voice, like it, it took me a while to jump into that. But I was able to still do things by myself. And um, I got to, or I tried to watch the Copa Libertadores, the, the final. I tried to watch it with people I just met at a bar and was. Um, and it was really great because I got to interact with them. You know, we exchanged Instagrams, things like that. And um, they they kept on inviting me to stuff afterwards um, throughout that month. So it was just great to, 
to be able to have a little bit of solitude in that country and just be able to really um, interact with other Latinos because I didn't get to do that at Olaf or in that, you know, I had one other in that group and that was about it. Oh, so you felt at home a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely like a great feeling. You know, it, it, I think that's what helped me thrive, especially being in that school in Minnesota and, and not really having that much of the Latino network. Like you, you're limited in what you can have. And um, it definitely just felt like a, an experience past that. Do you think you would ever move to another country? That's it's on my like list of things to try out you know I really to just to try out <laughs> yeah you know like I, I want to do like because I have a remote work job um I'm able to you know, be able to, to jump around countries so things on my list include like Colombia is one of them I want to do Mexico City um I want to do Spain I just want to try different countries Italy is another one I've thought of okay um, but I'm talking like would you move and like stay there not go for a few months and work there stay there might be a little uh <laughs> you're like I, I don't mean, know about that <laughs> like developing a network that fast is really tough you know you know props to you to be able to do what you did and create this network here um and I think about trying to do that myself in a different mm -hmm. country that would it'd be difficult without going somewhere where at least no one person so no <laughs> no, yeah. no honestly I don't think I don't think I would like I would spend you know a few months or whatever in another country but I don't think I would be able to just like move to a completely different world would you ever do like a year somewhere I guess it depends there would have to be something there you know to like give me the incentive to stay for a whole year for me to just pick up my bags and say I'm moving somewhere for a year I don't know probably not probably Probably it's like a retirement area. That'd be really cool to just spend the rest of my life in like Lake Como in Italy. I think. I'd, oh yeah, anywhere not that. in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that'd be perfect. But as far as right now, I I do enjoy the states and I do enjoy being stateside. Yeah. Okay. So after graduating from college, did you find it easy to get a job straight out of school, or did you struggle a bit too? So I graduated the first year of the pandemic. So Oh shit, that's right. Yeah, yeah so it was not a beautiful scene. Um oh. so it started the pandemic started um spring break. So that was when they, you know, schools mm -hmm. started telling people like, "Oh, you know, we'll do the two weeks and then we'll come back." I I had a trip lined up for Boston. I had about four interviews I was going to do at different companies. I was going to spend a week there and, and do a whole bunch of interviews there. And I slowly, you know, as the as spring break started coming up, I started getting cancels from interviews as they told me, like, you know, with COVID, we're not going to be able to do this or we don't know if we can hire anybody yet. We don't know what this is going to be like. And so, you know, eventually and you were you were in Minnesota, right? Yes. Yeah. So eventually point. it got to the point where I had to cancel you know, the trip because it wasn't going to be worth it. I was trying to get a refund, but. Airbnb and, and Delta weren't ready to give up the money. So it's just like a whole lot of like nerve wracking things. And I, I hadn't planned a backup. I was really set on like, oh, I'm going to move to Boston. I'm going to, I'm going to live my life there, be the biggest Boston Celtics fan there is, you know, things like that. <laughs> I, was, I was so excited for it. You and still then... are the biggest Boston Celtics fan. Though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was like a different, it was a different experience I was like ready for. And I had, I was living off campus my senior year, so um, I was still able to be in the area of the school, and I chose to be there instead of trying to do remote work classes in my house while there was, you know, my house back in Chicago, while there was still siblings there um, going about their regular day. Um, most of them worked nights, so if I had a class in a day, it would be awkward to have that kind of loud conversation while I didn't necessarily have a door, but I had a curtain to close my room, mm -hmm. so... I, I didn't want to do that. And I was like, if I have my own room in, in this off-campus house, I'll do that for the three months. So, you know, every day I was thinking of, well, what, what are ways to better myself? What are, what are ways to get me through it? Uh, and, you know, I started reaching out to my mentor from a, a program I, I did in high school. Uh, he started connecting me with people. And you know, they all started telling me, like, you need to find certifications. 
Um, right now, it's really tough to just get a job with just the college aspect to it. Oh my um, God. And Wait, so, so, so when all your interviews got canceled, so what was your major in college? Yeah. <laughs> I probably should have asked that like when we started. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> so I, I studied sociology and anthropology with a management concentration. And basically I've always been pursuing marketing. I didn't know which type of marketing I was going to do. I was really hoping school would help tell me or help you know guide me in that direction to, to figure mm-hmm. out what to do so my aspect was just get to understand people get to understand places and then have a little bit of business mentality in my in my head so that I can put those pieces together and then build a marketing story but I think it wasn't until after I graduated that I really got a hold of that it's not to say I didn't learn anything or I didn't learn about marketing in college mm-hmm. but I think I got to actually do real world experiences so you know after I had finally decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in Minnesota. I'm not going to move back to Chicago. I had to, of course, move to Minneapolis because my lease ended at that at that house. So I moved to Minneapolis in this off-campus housing for the U of M. And I was paying maybe about three fifty dollars for rent. But mind A you, month? Like, this is, yes, yes. I know it's crazy compared to New York. What? But, yeah. <laughs> I'm but moving mind, <laughs> But mind you, I had, like, no money. I had, like, just finished paying off that place that was at but I had barely enough you know to buy the stuff I needed for the apartment I was able to buy a bike because commuting around Minneapolis is tough without it and I I didn't have I didn't trust like buses and trains yet with just transportation and then COVID at the time too so I had just the bike um the apartment itself that I was staying in was like run down like I'm telling you like the the window to my bed was just like sealed off with plastic wrap and tape like it wasn't even like fixed I, I just needed something cheap at that moment oh my that God. I, like, I had to do what I had to do and I, I didn't have a fan until a while in you know things like that where I had to deal with heat shared an apartment with three other people I barely knew didn't start interacting with them probably till a month in of that lease where I was there for I want to say three months but yeah so it, it was just this experience of like I wanted to make something out of myself without having to go back home and start at the comfort of my house Mm -hmm. I knew that all that was going to add up to help me work harder and be more responsible I picked up two jobs right away one of them was a morning job as a mover then the other one was more of a night job or on the like the days I didn't work I was at a I was at a corner store, so similar to like the bodegas here in New York, but mm-hmm. um, there we call them corner stores in the Midwest. Um, and so with that experience, you know, I, I was able to still do like marketing related certifications, um, take take other like courses and things like that that I can find for free. And then eventually, you know, I, I signed up for a competition with you know, help from a uh, counselor at St. Olaf where she was like I know someone running this like this is the application like you got a good chance of getting into this and so if you've ever heard of Bugles that was who the competition was for and it helped them with a rebrand for a younger generation at this time I was doing things with uh, my mentor's friend who he was telling me you know you need to go to like a grocery store and start ha- like asking people these questions about a product and like seeing what what it is they like about this product and how you can then take it back to that that product that brand and like hey this is how you can rebrand it kind of like a case study if you're familiar with that mm-hmm. and just basically do that for different brands i was beginning to do that for you know the places i was working for as a mover and then i was doing it for um the corner store helping them rebrand their image to you know be the favorite of people who lived in Marcy Holmes, the area ne- next to the U of M. I was doing that competition as well, where you know I had to think of, with a group of people, like how, how are we gonna rebrand Bugles for a younger generation? You know, it's funny, because before this uh, metaverse stuff, we were talking about doing some virtual reality things. So it's it's really crazy that it felt like we predicted the future. Um, All right. <laughs> at that time, that was, that was a part of like our, you know, that was a core part of our, um, uh, of what we were pitching to them to do. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was really cool to, to see how that's been playing out lately. Um, <laughs> but yeah. and so You're like, up... I came up with that. They stole my idea. <laughs> they stole my idea. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And so we ended up coming up in second place 
uh, in that competition. And in that competition, we all had like group mentors. Um, and there was this woman, Jess Girardi. She like literally gave me the blueprint into how I got my first job in Minnesota or how, how I got my first professional job. She was telling me, you know, how, how to interview for certain types of people and how to interview for this agency. And she was like, just be comfortable with whatever role they give you because they're very open to allowing you to switch positions within the marketing field. So things like paid search, paid social, affiliate marketing, things like that. She was basically telling me like, be ready for anything, just learn data. And here's how you like, how you use the data that, that they're going to test you on, how you can like use it to your advantage and, and come up with a really strong proposal and case study for yourself to be able to, you know, show yourself off in these interviews. And so we basically went like interview by interview, like here's, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you should think of. Here's how you should, you know, be prepared to, to do that. And I think without her, like I wouldn't have had anything. And mind you, like I was going through like four hours sleep days pretty much at this point, And like, I was have, about to say yeah. like two jobs and doing all of this work. <laughs> yeah. So to have someone like that, like pretty much like, grab me by the hand and just pull me in the right direction. It was like, a, it was heaven sent, you know, around the time of August, I had like my last interview was separated by I think about a week. And I, I didn't have any more time in that, that lease that I was in that like really crummy apartment that I was staying in. Yeah. And so I was like, I, I had to decide, like, am I going to stay in Minneapolis? Am I going to trust that, you know, she's going to guide me in the right direction? And, and, you know, the work that I'm doing for myself as well is going to get me there. I ended up signing another lease. Um, luckily, this one wasn't, it was more of a month by month type of lease. So um, it was a little more expensive. It was on the 450 a month. Um, of course, that's like $100 more, but, uh, and that's nothing no, here no, in New but York. When you're struggling, here York, that's... But, but when I was struggling there, like that was a lot. And I was like, I was like, am I ready for that? Like, I, I'm barely paying off food, like um, things like that. I, I was just like, I, will I have enough? I don't want to ask my parents for money and I don't want to ask anyone for money. Um, and so I, I took the risk, trusted myself and trusted that I would get the job. You know, I think it was, it was September 4th. Um, I remember that day like really strongly. That's when I got the call of, of the job. And like, I, I was like crying in this new apartment that I had. Um, I was like, I was so in shock that I can finally like tell my jobs that I was at the time, like I'm done. Like being a mover sucked. (laughs) Like you never knew, you never (laughs) knew when your time, like when you were done with the day, because you can get a call at like 12 saying that you know, they, they need another truck or, you know, we need another truck for this, like this site, you know, we need, we need more people here or um, things like that. We're understaffed. We need to bring people here because of COVID. Um, and it's just like my days, I never knew when they ended when I worked that job. So I had to like, um, it, it was just tough to maneuver the two jobs and make it all work to, to make enough money. So to be able to finally like say goodbye to that life was incredible and, and to have like a stable job, um, knowing that I was salary and that I was making, um, making more than my parents, like that, that combined just like, it was, it was hard not to cry. And like, I remember walking to Stone Arch Bridge, which is like a big thing in, in Minnesota or Minneapolis. And like, it was a moment of me like capturing like the proudest moment of my life. It felt like, um, I would like ask the stranger, I was like, Hey, can you take a picture of me? Oh my God. <laughs> like, Do you have that just, picture? Yeah, so that that picture. Okay, we're gonna on... we're gonna use that picture. <laughs> that picture's on my Instagram, and it was just like a beautiful moment in my life mm-hmm. where, like I said, like I was able to to that ended up changing a lot a lot of the future of my life. I, I got into a nicer apartment. I started supporting my family a little bit more in ways that I could. It even went to the point where I was able to do a, a two week uh, two week stay in Mexico um, for the first time in my life and get to meet. Um, my cousins get to meet people I've never never known about really besides like phone conversations you know when your mom calls you as a kid to answer the phone and you're talking to your your deal like oh that's you right no you had is. never yeah. yeah you had never visited Mexico to like meet family until that day or that those two weeks yeah so I, I met my dad's side because they all moved to the U.S. but like, mm-hmm. my mom's side they they didn't they didn't move here um they moved to California. Those that could moved to California, and then those that didn't, 
um, they were down there in, um, in Mexico. So, um, like it was, it was a beautiful moment and I was able to pay for my mom, my sister, for us to go together, um, to do a good amount of time there in Zacatecas and then, um, go to Mexico city and see the pyramids, something my mom never got to do as a kid. Um, she just went straight from Mexicali to Zacatecas and then the rest was, was it for her. Wow. I'm like so inspired right now. I feel like it's because it's so easy, right, for us to complain about our jobs because the day to day is sometimes a bitch. And I know at least me, right, I'm always like, oh, fuck the nine to five, all this stuff. But when you hear stories like yours, it like brings you back full circle. And I'm like, okay, remember when you were little and like seeing your parents growing up struggling because they could only do like a minimum wage job, like all these things, right? And the opportunities that these jobs give us. So thank you for that because yeah. it's just like a good reminder, you know? It, it's it's tough for us, I think, to, to pat ourselves on the back because, you know, our parents are never happy with what they have. They know they mm -hmm. want more. And so a lot of us take on that mentality. And, and you know, I think if it wasn't for like some of the counselors I've had, growing up like in high school and college where they taught my they taught me how to pat myself on the back how to be happy with something because um, even then you know I like I still get that mentality of I'm never happy and I always I always want more and that's why mm -hmm. like you know I was at this job for maybe a, a year and a couple months I want to say maybe like eight months and I was like it's like I can do better I, I want to do better <laughs> and I like yeah once you get a little <laughs> taste right you're like yeah. all right what's next <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, I started, I started looking at other roles, you know, I, I wasn't really happy with some of the things going on at the company I was at, at the moment. And, you know, I loved the people there. I knew, like, I was capable of a manager role. And I ended up, you know, applying for one. And, and there you go. Like, I ended up getting a, a higher position and, and being really happy about it. And you know, I made made more. And every time I have that conversation with my parents about like, oh, you know, I, I just did this. And they're like, they're like, how, like, they would never ask how much more, but you can tell they know like it's it's a lot better of an opportunity just by mm -hmm. like the the excitement in my voice, you know, talking about it at Thanksgiving with them or, or things like that, you know. Wait, you it said was... they would never ask you how much more? No. Like That's they... literally the first no. thing that my parents would ask me that it's <laughs> like we, we never talk about like things like that, you know. Like yeah. even like me when I bought my mom her ticket, like she was you know, you can tell she wasn't happy. She was like, that's not what you're supposed to do as a kid. Like, you're, like she still sees me as a kid, you know? Like, it's... Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, you're like, you're you're my son. Like, let me do this for you. And mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, no, ma, like, like, I make more. I can, I can pay for this trip. I can do this now. Like, like, mind you, I've had your tax sheets in my, in my hands all through college. I, I knew what I saw. And mm -hmm. like, here I am now, like, being able to, to provide that for you and be able to help you out and, and take that break that you need oh yeah that is so sweet I bet your parents must be so proud of you and I mean I guess all your other siblings I'm not sure like what they're all up to yeah you know it, it it felt good to have that like I remember there were times where my like my mom and my dad hated my guts growing up because uh, I was the troubled child you know as a black sheep and so I'm not surprised uh, <laughs> like I was I was the one, you know, who would who would always start the fights in the house, you know, like, there's six kids, like, it's hard for us not to fight when we don't have space, like, I had a bunk bed growing up a good amount in my life, so, like, of course I'm gonna get mad, like, having to have that experience, uh, yeah. knowing that some of my friends, like, only childs would have their own rooms, like, why wouldn't I get mad, <laughs> and so, like, that, that's probably, like, the one area where I did feel that, like, difference, but that was more of just because there's so many of us. Mm -hmm. um so to, like to have that opportunity now I think is you know, I think my mom and my dad are definitely proud of, of where I've been I'm sure they're like upset I don't visit as much or don't call as much but of course um, those things you know it's it's hard and I definitely have been like trying to be a little bit better about that knowing that like, these are the people that raised me these are the people that that you know helped give me the little extra boost when I needed the extra boost Are you really close to most of your siblings, or are you guys not I that close? I'm, I'm really close with my sister and my mom. Um, you know, those those two, I think, have had a very big impact in my life. Um, 
with you know my sister being my only sister, her having to deal with five brothers, like you know, oh, I, I bullied her God. so much, <laughs> and like I know she would like mess with me so much that like it's like that sibling love of where you just give each other shit the whole time, like you and... roast each other all the yeah. time. Yeah, I yeah, have that it... with my siblings. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you just have to do that. You know, you just walk into the room and flip them off, like things like that. Like yeah, or like I, I give them a sape. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then, like, my mom, I was just really close to, because um, my dad, like, usually worked night shifts, and my mom was the one there in the house at night, so, like, it was just convenient for me to get really close to her. Makes sense. So, before I cry, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, as we bring this conversation to an end, I have two more questions for you, and then I'll just, you know, ask you where people can connect with you and stuff, but what is your definition of success and if money didn't matter what is something that you are so passionate about that you could see yourself doing for a living my definition of success I think I would I would use it as like a look back three months ago and do you feel better about where you are do you feel like you've um you know whether it's you care about being a little bit smarter you care about you know um things like that whatever metric you use, like just knowing that it's better than what you were three months ago, um, that should make you really happy. Um, I know that kind of aligns with like the work world where, you know, we have quarters and stuff like that. So I think that's what kind of shifted my mentality in that way. But like looking at every week and trying to think that you're going to be better every week at a time is so stressful and hurts like hell um, that I look at success in those three month periods and if I feel better about myself after that, then I go with that. Got it. So more of like um, that constant growth, right? Yeah. Depending on what matters to you. Makes yeah. sense. If it's, you know, if it's your career, or if it's your personal life, if it's, um, you know, things of that nature, like you are successful as long as every three months you, you've done something a little bit better. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big shift. You know, there are times where I, I didn't grow, but like, if you just feel a little bit better after those three months, then then you you're successful. You know, you're you're a lot better than you were three months ago. Got it. I agree. Yeah. And then as far as like if money didn't matter, you know what I'd pursue. I'm really big into education, and that just comes with the benefits that I had um, straight out of high school, like having counselors like that knowing that these people aren't paid as well, like I would love to do um, a male mentorship program and um, that would be like the rest of my life and I'd get a thrill every day just knowing that I'd have an impact on, you know, some person of color um, struggling because um, that I think was one of the biggest things I took on um, myself is, is just trying to understand what it's like to be a minority male. Um, you know, I was, I was there in high school. I, ended up leading a male minority program my sophomore year of high school and that I did that all the way up until senior year and it was the biggest program at that high school I think we had about like 115 people I would that's probably like a high guess but out of the school 400 to have about like 25 percent of the school attend this program when it was used to maybe like 15 people and then having that continue on like I would love to do something similar like that as an adult just to help other minority males who are struggling to to know that they have it in them to to be successful and to be able to give back the same way that like I've been able to give back and like I'm just starting and so if I'm just starting like I know at some point in my life that's going to be a big thing soon yeah I was gonna say and I mean this doesn't have to just be like something that you would want to do I I feel like I could see you doing this in the future you know and in one way or another yeah, it's it's coming. Don't worry. Like it, it'll, it'll. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, you're like I'm. I know, just, I'm just strategizing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need to get myself. I think in a better footing. But like, I mm-hmm. love the. I love the aspect of, um, volunteer. You know, like Minds Matter was a program I was a part of in high school, and immediately after I had an opportunity to support them, I was like, all right, I'm gonna be a mentor again. I'm gonna be a mentor there, and I went from being a mentee to a mentor there. Um, to a high school student, a high school student who. It was able to do a lot of great programs. Um, unfortunately, her first one was remote. And this year, she's doing another one. 
I had to cut it with, with the move to New York, but it was definitely great to be a part of those early footsteps for her um, in high school. And then, you know, I was able to, at my last job, get the program involved in getting support. And they had their site redesigned for free, you know, like things like mm-hmm. that as a marketing agency, when you're able to do stuff like that, you just feel so empowered. And to, to help that, um, to help be a part of that team that helped support them, um, it felt incredible. And then now, like, I'm in their alumni board for the Chicago team. Uh, I've been trying to find ways to get involved in the New York team. Um, it, it's like things that I, I, f- I find a way to get involved in some sort of educational aspect and, and support education because it was the one thing I think that really allowed me to, to not feel confined or restricted in what's in front of me. Yeah, I think all of this is amazing. You know, I am definitely one of those people that believes that once we get to a certain position or, you know, if you're at the top or something, you should like want to help others come up with you rather than just being like, okay, I'm up here now and you guys are below me. So yeah, I, I love to hear that. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. If anybody would like to connect with you on social media or LinkedIn or anything, where can, where and how can they find you? Yeah. So my LinkedIn is my name, Juan Romo. And my Instagram, I always forget. So I need to quickly look it up. It is Romo, R-O-M-O dot J-U-A-N three. And I'm always open to having a conversation about um, any of the things I talked about, um, definitely love helping connect people with people I know and helping them get set in those footsteps that could benefit them as well. Yeah, I'm like not selling your services, but if you want a mentor, <laughs> you sound like a good one. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'd gladly be able to help in any way I can, whether it's you know learning about marketing or you go to a predominant white school and you need someone to, to vent to. Like, I'm there. Ask me anything, I'm there. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for taking almost a whole hour out of your busy day. (laughs) I really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like many people will find it helpful. Yeah, I hope they do. I will be back soon with more episodes. And as always, I look forward to circling back. Kindest regards.